1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
0: Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? Greetings, mortals! And that's pretty much appropriate for what we're doing today. So today we are going to be finishing out the Diablo-class lore discussion with our final three. Uh in well, at least as of this time. If they add more in the future, we'll cover some more. But for right now, the last three that we have are the Assassin, the Demon Hunter... And the Witch Doctor. And I think starting with the Assassin probably isn't a terrible thing since we ended last one with the Amazon and there is a direct tie there. So, Matt, what do you have to say about the Assassin?
1: There's no direct tie there. Is there not? No. The Assassins are li- related to the Sorcerers and-, and Wizards.
0: Oh, well then They're- correct me, please. Educate me.
1: The Assassins uh, started in the Mage Clan Wars. The uh, I were doing a lot of demon summoning and after that war they realized demon summoning is bad demons are bad who knew um so they came up with a ban on that they were like you can't use demonic magic anymore you can't summon demons but they knew mages tend to do things they're told not to do uh you know hey there's a way to get extra power and you're telling me not to do it that makes it even more tantalizing so they created the uh and i can't pronounce this so if i get this i mean it's made up word, so the vizjaktar uh and the vizjaktar were basically just called mage hunters or, or mage killers. Uh, they're basically designed to hunt down and kill mages that have broken the, uh, the, the sanctum against sanction against uh, demonic summoning. You, you, you cannot do that. And if you do do it, they show up and kill you. That's their job. Um, so that's, that's basically their history. They, they originally come from, you know, the, uh, I keep forgetting the name of the country. The Chaldeum is a city. Um, but I can't remember the name of the country, and I, I know I should remember it. <sighs> Do you remember the name of the country?
0: No, Otherwise we, we, we did this exact same thing last week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, let's see here. I believe. Kajistan. Kajistan, yeah. I just found the map.
1: I always forget that. They're from Kajistan initially, but you know, nowadays they tend to recruit from all over. They're uh, That's that's their deal. They basically are trained from like very young age to be skilled at at killing mages um the there was a i don't know this guy's deal uh his name was lam essen and he studied like ancient magic and the effects of of demon summoning he's the first guy to have written the story of anu and tathamet uh we don't know how he he learned this stuff he he studied um the old religion or or uh scotsim which was this kind of weird old it's pre uh Zacharum spirituality and magic practice. And he studied that and using what he learned from that is where he got the knowledge about the burning hells and the prime evils. And as a result, he basically penned the book on how to deal with people who've been corrupted by demons. Um and that book was used by the uh the by the uh the Visjari to create their assassins. Interestingly enough, though that book was suppressed by the Zakarum because the Zakarum had an Inquisition where they suppressed all other religions, and you know Sketsim was one of the religions that they suppressed. Probably because at, by this point the Zakarum were were uh, invaded by Mephisto, and they wanted to you know get rid of anything that would allow people to fight demons more successfully. But they couldn't really go after the uh, the, the uh, assassins because the Vizieri were so powerful, and to directly antagonize the visitor, I would might mean that they would figure out what was going on in the Zaka room. And that was the last thing that they wanted. So the assassins kind of got to hang out and still be doing what they were doing. So they're sort of like monks, kind of. Um, I mean, both in the way they fight and in, you know, the, the arts they practice, but they get them from a different source.
0: I was going to say, don't they not directly practice the arts? I thought that they, uh, the whole deal with the thought of the corruption was that they used items instead
1: yeah, they don't use magic at all, but, but they study it. Yeah, they they but they they t- they hone their natural like fighting abilities, and they do it like the practices they use, the training of the book is such that they actually do get magical abilities. But they're kind of like it's more like anti-magical abilities. Like if you think about it in terms of it's not too dissimilar from the Templars from Dragon Age, where you have people who learn how to disrupt magic, how to kill mages how to destroy demons. That's that's what the assassins are all about. But they do use a lot of enchanted items and in- ingenious devices instead of using magic directly. They don't use magic directly.
0: Yeah, and I, I find that absolutely fascinating because like the, the idea that any magic can become uh, a corrupting force is is intriguing, right? And it's something that I think is not unique, but you don't generally see a lot of in fantasy settings. Even in grimdark fantasy settings, you don't generally see like, oh, you know, just magic in general could potentially cause you to become uh, supremely corrupted, right?
1: I I don't think that that's quite
0: accurate. It's not the
1: magic that makes you corrupt. It's the fact that you're human because humans have in them in the Diablo setting. Humans are, you know, part angel, part demon. All humans have both essences within them, which is why humans can choose to do either. And magic gives you the ability to do more. So if you like using magic, it's inherently part of humanity to be corruptible you have that within you you, you have like the old concept of you know I've got an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other that's literal in the Diablo setting so if you're an arcane ma- an arcane magician you are always being tempted to, to use magic that calls on demons and summons demons and that's the thing it's not that the magic itself did anything uh, it's that you using the magic decided to reach out even though you knew it was a bad idea because it would benefit you that's fair. It's the selfishness of it. So it's not there's plenty of Visjuri who never once get corrupted. You can you can be a mage all you want. It's when you choose to use this forbidden magic that reaches out to the hells. And that to me is fascinating because that's why you know necromancers you don't hear a lot of demonic and corrupted necromancers, although there are necromancers who are using demonic magic. But the ones who are members of the Priests of Rathma almost never because they're they don't they don't even learn that magic. They don't learn those spells. And it's it's fascinating to me how it's not like you know the 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 kind of magic you're using isn't the problem. It's just do you know how to make a deal with a demon? Hmm. You know, yes, yeah. If you do and you do it, then that's the problem. And that's why the the vizier I have the uh, the viz. Oh man, I cannot pronounce this word to save my life. I'm just gonna say the assassins from now on because vizjaktar. The vizjaktar were created because they knew everybody's possibly corruptible. Everybody could be you know, could fall into this. And we've seen what it does because the mage clan wars were directly result of people summoning demons. And that's something they were not willing to ever go through again. So that's, it's interesting, you know, the assassins, they don't really have, I I don't know how to explain this. They don't have that kind of relationship with magic like other, other people do. They don't cast spells as you pointed out.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, and that definitely manifests itself in the game. So, like, if you were to play Diablo 2, you would see that, like, shadow traps and things like that, the things that they're using are physical devices that they're throwing down that cause those elemental energies to actually manifest, which I think is also very, very interesting. Cause I think the only other group that really mentions using artifacts or, or items in that way is the Haradrum, right? Like, we well, I mean, really... the
1: demon hunters too.
0: Okay. We'll we'll talk about that next, uh, probably as soon, once we're done with the assassins here. (laughs) But please, continue. Oh, continue what? So, I mean, but I mean, is there, I guess then my other question is, with everything that was going on during Diablo 3, why do we, I mean, do we have an idea of why we didn't see any assassins?
1: I mean, partially because uh, Emperor Hakan was, you know, controlled by Belial, I would think. Um, I would assume that any Visjari who were in the area vacated it fairly quickly rather than stay there and potentially get destroyed by all these demons that were swarming out of the woodwork um that would probably be part of it also i don't know what happened we're we're probably going to find out more this is why diablo immortal is so useful to us as people who study diablo lore because we don't know a lot about a lot of these things and we're going to get a chance to see what happened between diablo 2 and diablo 3 like one of the things that we're going to you know, to go again to the demon hunter, who we're going to talk about in a bit. A lot of the origins of the demon hunters are directly going to be talked about in Diablo Immortal and haven't been talked about yet. Like, as of right now, we don't know where the demon hunters come from, other than we know the physical location they're currently in. We don't know like how they got started. We don't know. So it's very possible that the assassins trained them or somehow contributed to them because there's, I mean, there their some fighting styles similarities. are different. Yeah, their fighting styles are different, but they have the same basic approach to demons, and they do both use traps and stuff. I mean, the turrets and traps that that demon hunters use are, are mechanically similar to the stuff that the assassins did. Not the same, but the, but similar. Um, in terms of like what they've been up to though, I don't really know. I don't. There's really nothing in game. Nothing in Diablo three says what happened to them. The Vizjaktar just don't show up after Diablo two.
0: So here's another question. I remember there being a tie between the assassins and Ormus. Uh, Ormus was a a NPC vendor, a magic vendor or or mage that happened to be a vendor uh, in Diablo 2. Did anything ever come of that? Do we know if Ormus is still around?
1: No, not as far as I know. I don't know anything. I know there was was some argument that the the spiritual teachings that the assassins used to become the assassins, the... uh, the book of uh, the Lan Esim, that the teachings were similar to that of the Tan clan. And Ormus was in the Tan clan. He was a member of it. Uh, but in terms of like, you know, he used to be a really great mage. He probably would have had, like, we know that the Visjatar were watching him, but I don't think they were related. They just well, did didn't not they trust related. him. Yeah, the, I, the, you
0: know, like as a possible target, possible that he might have been corrupted, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, and he's the one, you know, Ormus is the one who's like, you got to go through the uh, infernal gate to stop Diablo. That's so whatever happened with um, Ormus, he, you know, he, he ended up being part of that. And then you don't see him again, ever. I mean, again, you know, he doesn't seem to show up, but he was, he was a, t- a follower of Scatsim. It should be pointed out the same, the same uh, school that the, the Milan Esu book comes from. So he was one of the people who was actually oppressed by the, uh, room inquisition after Mephisto took over the church. But to, to my knowledge, there's never been anything again after Diablo 2. We don't hear anything about Ormus. Again, maybe Diablo Immortal will, will, will show us what happened to him.
0: See, and um, I think I think that's one of the mo- things I'm most interested in with Diablo Immortal as well is that in between time uh, is one of the more fascinating things. Like we like you pointed out, we don't know a lot of what happened in between Diablo 2 and Diablo 3. In fact, we know almost nothing Um and it would be, it's it's very intriguing to see what things break down, because there is a sizable time gap between the two events, right? Um, I, th- I forgot how many years there is, but there's a, there's a, a chunk between the two. Um, I want to say it's at least, what, 18 years, something like that? How old is Leah? 16? I thought it was
1: like 25.
0: Is it 25? Okay.
1: But, I mean, give me a sec, I can tell you exactly, because I was just looking at the timeline, but I don't have it up in front of me right this moment.
0: All right. Well, I, I think that fascinates me though, because that's a lot of time between events. That's a lot of time for things to happen. And we talked about this when we talked about the Druids and, and a lot of the other stuff, uh, other, the other classes in their interactions with Diablo, as far as like the world around them goes. And because Diablo three and the events therein were such a drastic event, there was sort of, I don't want to say like a calm because it wasn't, it wasn't calm in between the two, uh, but there was a certain period of like almost preparation, cleanup and preparation and in trying to get ready. And some of those classes, assassins included, I'd be fascinated to see what they did. And like you mentioned, and we're probably going to go into this in, in a moment, there is a potential tie between assassins and demon hunters in the fact that maybe, just maybe we find out that the assassins left the homeland to keep themselves safe, uh, Wound up going out into the world, finding those that were ravaged by demons and decided to take the fight in a completely different manner Uh, because the assassins were essentially lone operatives that I mean, they used tricks and guile and shadows to eviscerate uh, their their targets. Right. They were in a lot of ways similar to, I guess, the the rogue that were we've been seeing be. Uh, sort of brought back for Diablo 4 with the, them being an assassin uh, and claiming victims and, and, and trophies therein, except they didn't claim trophies necessarily. They found those that were corrupted and killed them, but if they needed to take the fight in a different manner and potentially were the ones that trained the demon hunters, that could be very, very fascinating, uh, and I think it would actually be kind of cool.
1: Well, right now I can tell you this. The end of Diablo 2, Lord of Destruction, is in 1265. Okay. The beginning of Diablo 3 is 1285. That's when Tyrael manages to regain his physical form.
0: So 20 years.
1: Yeah, 20 years between those two. The events of Diablo Immortal take place in 1270.
0: So five years after... The... And
1: that's when supposedly the Demon Hunters were formed. Um, I'm going to just go into it now because there's no point in, in waiting. Sure, yeah, the let's demon, go right the, into it. The Demon Hunters basically form in 1270. They're in the Dreadlands. So in the, in the, in the area... The former um, home of the, the barbarian peoples, amongst others, uh, they, the demons poured out of the, the world wound in, inside uh, Mount Ariat and began rampaging across the area. Uh, the demon hunters are being formed in that area. Uh, there's there's not a lot of them. There was maybe a couple hundred of them, and they didn't have an allegiance to any nation. They were just... They wanted to hunt demons and demon spawns. And, and essentially... To get into the Demon Hunters, you had to lose like a, love- a home or a loved one or something. You had to be one of their victims, <clears throat> essentially. And so, it's an organization rooted in vengeance, which is different than the the assassins. The assassins were not about vengeance; uh, they were basically just this needs to be done. We will, you know, protect our our homeland and you know prevent this horrible thing that happened from happening again. Uh, so they are different, and they're also different in outlook. Like one person once pointed out the the demon hunter plays a lot like if you took the assassin in the amazon and you made one class out of them
0: mm-hmm.
1: um right down to the demon hunters using two different kinds of these like uh the the discipline and hatred you know they they have two different power sources that they switch between for abilities uh but in terms of like their focus on on using on fighting demons their use of mechanical th- things like explosives and turrets and so forth is similar to the M- the uh uh, assassins, traps, and so forth. There is, there are similarities between the two, and for that matter, between the the demon hunters and the Amazons. So it's quite possible the, that, that some Amazon is involved in this, but we don't know. Could have been a rogue too, for that matter. What we do know is that it it apparently started forming about five years after Diablo was destroyed, um, because the Worldstone fragments were scattered all across the world, and apparently various demonic servants of of hatred were attempting to use the Worldstone Fragments to basically bring Diablo back. Uh, I guess they didn't know what he was up to, so they were just trying to to get those Fragments and bring Diablo back, and the Demon Hunters rose to stop it. Um, For instance, the character Vava, we know that she was just starting her training in 1270. Uh, She lost her sister and began training at that time. We know she's going to pop up in Diablo Immortal.
0: I also think it's fascinating that uh unlike a lot of the other classes uh demon hunters are unique in the fact or, or I would say mostly unique that I don't they don't owe any allegiance to a particular country or king or religion uh they're made up of the disparate scraps of those that have been afflicted by the demonic invasions right so the membership inside of the demon hunters is not part of a religious cult uh or an organization brought back or brought forth by, you know, an inquisition or a king or anything like that. These are literally just people who have had what they care about stripped away. Like you mentioned Vala, Vala begins her training in 1270. And like you said, it's because she lo- lost her sister uh, basically to uh, a demon. Right. Like a demon took her sister from her. Um or, in this particular case, the witnessing of what happens with seeing your family butchered by demons uh, cause the madness in her sister that you know, cause her to die. We don't, I don't know. We know the uh, exact specifics, but she mentions that she was rescued, rescued by survivors who had joined together to rid the world of creatures of hell. Uh, They saw in me, the strength to resist the demons and they forged me into a weapon. Now I am ready. A meteor has fallen in Tristram and the dead have risen in its wake. And I will send them back to their graves. Once I was hunted, now I am the hunter. And it's sort of like that mentality, right? That survivor mentality where it's like, yeah, I'm going to go and take care of this now. Um, now, the other interesting thing about that is Vala is often referred to as the Order Master. If that's the case, who found her if it was the Demonic Order? And is the theory of it being one of the Amazons or one of the uh, Assassins possibly correct? Where Well, we,
1: we know that she was trained by Josen. Okay, Josen was a demon hunter that found her and trained her. Um, he's the one that, that we don't know who trained him. Uh, we know that Vala and her younger sister survived their village getting attacked and destroyed by demons. But Halasa drowned after she woke up from a nightmare. She ran off and fell into the river. Vala couldn't get her out in time. Uh, after that happened, Vala was found by Josen. And uh, Josen is the, is was the demon hunter. He used to say that everything was a test. That was his big deal. Uh, he's the one who was hanging out with her in 1270. He's the one who was training her. Um, he also partnered her with another demon hunter at one point. A uh, guy named Delos, but by 1285, they they basically discovered that the things were happening. Delos was corrupted by demons, and they went after him. And it was basically like a whole thing where josen sent is the one that sent her to Tristram.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: was his. That's, that's that's was his deal. We don't know who trained him. We don't know how. You know, if the the order started sometime around 1270, then he would have been relatively knew at it himself mm-hmm. like he's training her when he's barely trained himself so we don't know who taught him or or where he got his instruction from and again this is one of the things that i think might be really cool about diablo immortal is we might find out like who trained josen is there, Does there just josen have a master who was josen's master i mean we don't even know where josen comes from we know that he was working with vala like in 1270 like again in, in diablo mortal the two of them are available. You do quests to to help them, and they're both there. So the the Order existed for at least a couple years before the events of Diablo Immortal, because otherwise Josen wouldn't have been able to be trained enough to find Vala and help her at all. And both Josen and Vala are effective demon hunters in 1270. So it's possible the Order order started sometime after the destruction of the Worldstone and before the events of Diablo Immortal, but we don't know exactly when or how. And that's the, the reason that I keep thinking to myself, that there might be a connection to the assassins or the amazons or both um we know that an amazon and an assassin work together trying to stop baal yep uh canonically there's one you know if you look at the loading screen the various characters i think canonically the the party that went after diablo is made up of all of them and if you you know even the the druid and the assassin joined in for uh lord of destruction so I think canonically they, they would have worked together. They might very well have decided to train people, but we don't know that for sure. It just fits.
0: It also depends too largely on the state of the world after, uh, the events of Diablo 2 as well because we've seen we've seen other instances of for lack of a better term the story being driven by hey this thing is no longer available so now we're going to resettle or we're going to move or we're going to have to do something else in order to survive like that's that's sort of like a big theme with a lot of these classes it's that whole survival aspect of it and so part of that is becoming um or being ready to change where you are uh where you're based or what you're doing sometimes you can't you can't go home um looking at diablo 3 even sometimes that home's just not there anymore perhaps it burned to the ground perhaps the angels took it or demons or whatever in this case maybe it got turned into a hellmouth um we've seen that be a thing where you know flashy demonic portals decide to open up inside of it and well yeah no good comes from that but I, I think that's one of the things I like about Demon Hunters in general is that necessarily doesn't matter. There's almost an aspect of, for lack of a better term, and not to compare it to um, another IP, but I'm going to do it anyway. It has almost like a Jedi-esque aspect to it, at least with Vala and Josen, where Josen trained Vala and they're seen traveling together. And part of that story there, um, especially with, uh, I believe it, I believe it was... Josen went after a corrupted member of the I think it was the the, the person that they worked with before, right? The, yeah, the, Yeah. So he went after him who had been corrupted. Um uh, and then Vala had gone after uh no it was Delios. Delios. Um Vala went after the demon, Josen went after Delios uh and they both took care of it but they were seen traveling together so there's almost an aspect at least and this could be the case could not be the case again we don't know the details of it of maybe they pick somebody to almost be like that that student that that underling to learn and to partner with to a point where they can go out on their own and find somebody else to do that with uh or find a survivor to train up uh i'm really curious to see what exactly uh, Demon hunter training looks like what that actually means, because again, they don't have like a central base of operations. They don't have a home necessarily. Uh, you know, like the Amazons have their island. Even the mages have their their bastions of of arcane, whatever uh, you know, fortitude or whatever you want to call it. Druids have. Uh, a place that they can return to. Uh, Cousin, yeah, yeah. So like, there's there's all these places where, like, yes, there's a base of operation, there's a heritage or or a place where you know we can go back to or regroup or learn or do whatever. Uh, even the barbarians have that to a certain extent, whether it's in various states of disarray or 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 whatever. It I would is. argue
1: that they had that. Had, had that, that yeah. Now. That that is definitely gone. In, in in fact, at least some of the demon hunters are probably barbarian in origin. They they come from the children of Bolkathos, because that's where they are now. Mm-hmm. The Dreadlands is smack dab in the middle of what used to be, um, you know, barbarian territory. Uh, okay. And the barbarians are a fractured people right now. We have no idea. I don't even know, like, how many of them are left by the time of Diablo 4. They were, they were not doing well in Diablo 3, and that was before, like, a whole bunch of people got killed by Maltheo. So... It's it's a toss up. We have no idea, but the demon hunters are unique in that they they don't have you don't have to be a member of a, like a, a certain group like the barbarians are all related. They're all the children of Bolcathos. Druids come from Skazglen. There's those are traditions that are passed on to specific peoples. Demon hunter have demons destroyed your life? Yes, welcome aboard. Here, here's how to kill them. Uh, it's just that simple. There's no. There's no, you know, we we mages decided to create an order to protect our, you know, ourselves from our own worst impulses. It's demons are bad. Let's kill them. You know, it is in a remarkably simple and pure ideology. Uh, demon bad, us kill. That that's it. Mm-hmm. Have you have you, you know, ha- the only people, the reason they recruit people who've suffered at the hands of demons is because those people are the most motivated. They realize that you know, if someone's lost everything to demons, this person's gonna be willing to put themselves through the training and the ordeal of the life that will come after it. Like I said, Josen used to say, all of life is a test. Um, once you start thinking of all of life as a test, you, know, you, you understand you know, that this is something that is unrelenting. It's never going to stop. You're never going to win. Winning isn't even the point. This is pure revenge. It's not, it's not rooted in... There's no victory condition because there, there will always be more demons. So you always have to kill more demons. So that's that's interesting to me. That there's a lot of potential in terms of what they do with it. I don't... This is the the only... One of the real problems I have with Diablo as a game setting, and this goes back to, to the, the the first one, from Diablo to Diablo 2, from Diablo 2 to Diablo 3, and now to going to Diablo 4, It's there's not a lot of continuation. Mm-hmm. Like, the only class that's been in more than one game, like, at launch, is the Barbarian. And the only class that's even seen two games besides Barbarians is the necromancer
0: and even barely fright like
1: as an expansion pack to the to the game sure the barbarian's the only one that got to be in diablo 2 diablo 3 it's going to be in diablo 4 and it's going to be in diablo immortal Mm -hmm. that's the only one that gets a through line we see them over and over again we saw the amazon once we saw the assassin once we've seen the demon hunter once But they're going to be in diablo immortal so we'll get to see more of them
0: um druid gets to skip one or two
1: yeah but the the thing is is there's a lot of these classes like we're talking about the assassins, and like what what happened to them? Why haven't we seen them again?
0: That is a very
1: good question that we can't answer because they never they've never been addressed. I would like them to be addressed. I would like to see them again. I think there should be NPCs that are assassins if we're not gonna have playable assassins. Uh there there should be people out there who are, you know, hunting down demons and killing them. What you know, whether they be demon hunters, assassins or otherwise. But yeah, it is it is one of the things that is difficult about Diablo as a setting sometimes is that we don't get a lot of through line. Like we we got we don't know right now if you, we don't know if the paladins are all gone. We know we didn't see any.
0: We have a we have a couple yeah. suspects of what might hap- have happened to them yeah, after Westmarch. We,
1: there, there might have been some some paladins left. They may they weren't actually in an order anymore, but they might have still been out there with their, you know, fighting the host of hell with the light, but we haven't seen them. We saw a bunch of crusaders in Diablo three and we're going to see them in Diablo immortal, which means that they you will know, we'll see them before Diablo three, but we don't look like we're going to get to see them in Diablo four. Like did, did the, how about, you know, you talked about, we don't know what shape the world was in really between 1265 and 1285. We know that they considered it a period of quiet where things started to recover before everything went really, really bad again in, in 1285. And that's, there's a lot we, we have yet to see. We don't know what's going on in Skovos. We don't know what the Amazons are doing. We don't know, you know, what's going on in, in Tienza, you know? Um, there's just, you know, Sai, sorry. Uh, there, we don't know what's going on in Ziansai. We'll, we'll find out about Skosglen in Diablo 4, but we haven't seen it this whole time. Uh, Kejistan is, is crumbling and falling apart. There's, like, we, we only heard about the Tarajan jungles, really, in Diablo 3, yeah cause of the witch doctors and and that's barely like we don't know anything about what's going on there in terms of the demons Did the demons go there did the angels show up and start killing people there you know we we have no idea we know the crusaders were wandering around the swamp in the in the very distant east as far east as you can go pretty much for a long time before they finally came out and started wandering the world again there's a ton of stuff that, that's just never really been dealt with um
0: i mean should we talk about witch doctors now yeah i think i think that's a really good transition the so the Witch Doctors, and this is going to be my to the best of my knowledge, because I actually really like the Witch Doctor class because I tenor, generally enjoy hybrid classes, uh, and Witch Doctor is definitely a hybrid class. So Witch Doctors are actually really quite rare. They're not a very common thing, even in Mbaru society. Uh, so very, very few men or women ascend to the position because they have to possess two very distinct things. One, they have to have an extreme prowess in battle, which means that they have to have survived a lot of encounters and essentially been blooded, uh, whether it's fighting against, uh, human or, uh, not, uh, not sanctuary specific creatures, whether it's angels or demons, uh, or any of the various mutations that exist in the swamplands. But on top of that, not only do they have to be militaristically proud, like, I guess profitable is the wrong word. Successful. They have to have the ability to communicate with spirits, uh, which is a, it's like a latent ability. It's not something that's taught. It's not something that, you know, you can pick up. It's something that you're born with. So they have to have both of those things before they can even start down the path of being a witch doctor. Um, now, the thing with the communicating of the spirits is that they believe in what's called – or that it's being touched by the unformed lands, which is a central point of Mbaru sort of society and, and belief structure. The unformed lands – uh and the belief in it thinks that the mortal realm, so sanctuary itself, is merely a veil for the true reality that is actually the Unformed Lands. And that it's the witch doctors who can gain insight into that realm. They can actually see it. They can experience it. They can go into what's called a ghost trance uh, in order to actually interact with it. And that's a state of being where they train their minds to perceive that that sort of land or that, that realm beneath the layer of what we call reality uh, through rituals and herbs uh, from the Tanganzi uh, jungle itself, or Tanganzi in general. Uh, they can actually spend what they say is minutes in the unformed land uh, where they can actually see uh, or interact with the spirits there, talk with them. Uh, before they're ripped back to reality and what might only be seconds of our time as we're observing. Uh, what the Unformed Lands actually are, nobody really knows, um, but this is where they get their power from. Their ability to look into it, their ability to connect to it, their ability to ghost trance into it um, lets them... They call it dark magic, but it's it's really just how they manifest their ability to raise the dead, summon plagues um bring forth gigantic monstrosities uh in terms of I can't remember what the the heck the name of the thing is uh but that looks like a giant construct um and they there also is this belief that in that land where they draw this power from there are gods there what that means they have never ever really truly said um what they actually are but they're not angels and they're not demons they are something completely other. Now, the interesting thing is that the only other class that can tap into this spirit realm that can tap into sort of this this layer beneath reality is the necromancers, where they can actually channel those spirits into the minds of their nearby enemies uh, to basically all, any any psychic attack or any sort of like spiritual attack that the necromancer does is drawing on things from that realm. Uh, so it's interesting that the witch doctors can do that as well. Uh, the Umburu are essentially a decentralized people. They're hunter-gatherers. Um, they leave sacrifices for their gods inside of the, uh, the ghost realm. Ooh, excuse me. Um, and they tend to occupy spaces that seem to almost need protection. Like when we go through the swamps, one of the things we're doing is we're breaking into tombs and in ancient areas that are buried deep beneath that soil, that, that water. Um, and it almost seems like the the Umbaru are almost positioned to try to keep that safe. Now, nothing's ever been said or, or, or really uh, linked between the two, but it seems a little too coincidental. Uh, let's see what else about the witch doctor I think is interesting. Oh, the other thing is like necromancers as well. They can feel when something dies and passes from one realm to the other. Uh, and they can actually sense when like there are mass murders. So at the end of Diablo three, when the world has essentially been uh, devastated and mo- like a good chunk of humanity has been wiped out, the witch doctor would have felt every single bit of that unlike the other classes or maybe to a varying degree. Um, I don't know if paladins or crusaders would have felt that in their, their very bones. Uh, the magic wielders might have druids might have, but the witch doctors definitely did. And what that caused them to, uh, to do or, or how that would have affected them or the Umboro society who, you know, reveres the witch doctor as, I mean, almost akin to what they call their high priests or their, their rulers, uh, that would be a fascinating thing to see. Like, are they still around? Can they still exist? Uh, are they been laid waste with the anything that's everything that's happened there? Now, the other thing I think is really cool about the witch doctors is that not only can they use the herbs and things that they find to, uh, put themselves in that ghost trance state, they also know how to weaponize it, and that is manifested through summoning the poison clouds, throwing the canoptic jars, um, using the, the poison darts to essentially uh, attack their enemies' spirits using their magics from the unformed lands, their bodies through the uh, use of the poisons, as well as their minds. They attack whatever they're going after. Uh, with everything and we know that they're able to form poisons that can affect demons which is also very interesting because when they're fighting them you would think that the demons if they're not part of uh, sanctuary wouldn't be affected by by natural herbs or whatever the case uh, of their concoctions are but they very clearly are and angels as well so the witch doctor has the ability to whether it's through channeling the the unformed land into whatever tincture or, or mixture they're making, but they can poison them. They can actually cause them physical harm through this use of what are essentially naturally occurring things in Sanctuary, which I think is absolutely fascinating. It also is a... Uh it's another pseudo-religious class, I guess, that would kind of fall in line with paladins and crusaders and uh, even mages to a certain degree where they are informed by a very specific set of tenets. It's just way different than everything else. It's very animistic, very spiritual, very uh, multiple gods, not just one greater being, not just believing in the light. And I think that is absolutely fascinating. And I think that due to the nature of their sort of hunter-gatherer-esque society, where maybe they're not staying in one place for too long, they don't really necessarily have established cities, that they might have also been one of the few groups to maybe survive a good portion of the aftermath of Diablo 3 going into Diablo 4. Now, I'm very curious to see if they will pop up in some capacity, uh, in Diablo 4, Because I want to see, I'm curious how they would interact with the necromancers if the necromancers are working with Lilith, and how they would work with Lilith. Like, how that interaction would go down. Would they view Lilith as another god, even though she's a demon? Would she be just somebody who was uh, brought back from unexistence? but maybe that unexistence was the unformed land. It seems to sort of be in that same wheelhouse. Uh, is that where things that are banished from sanctuary go? Is it sort of like this? I hate to say it like it. Is it the shadow realm? Uh, is it this layer that just encompasses everything, including death? Because that's the other thing I don't think has ever really been established in Diablo lore is where does a soul go when it dies?
1: Well, I mean, the Necromancers have the theory that they go to the Plane of the Dead, and there are some people who think the Plane of the Dead is the Unformed Lands, That they're the same place. Okay. I should point that out. Um, we know that uh, one of the things that, that drove Malthiel insane, in fact, was that when he went to where the Worldstone had been before Inarius stole it, he found mortal spirits going there, collecting there. And he was like, why is this happening? Why are they here? So it's possible that the unformed lands and the the realm of pandemonium have some kind of connection, because the pandemonium fortress is where the, the worldstone had been before the you know before it was taken to sanctuary. It's the place that plane was essentially created by the destruction of Anu and Tathamet that created the worldstone in the first place. And so it's possible the unformed lands are um, the the realm of pandemonium, because pandemonium is everything that's not hell, heaven or hell or the created realms like Sanctuary, Pandemonium doesn't really have a form. It's just the place where the the Worldstone was. It's a shifting constantly. You know they were fighting a continuous battle across it. But it's a it's it's a plane.
0: Well, don't they call it like the it's, Scar of the Universe or something like that?
1: Yeah, that's one one of the terms for it. So it's who knows what what you know they the the place around the Pandemonium Fortress is the eternal battleground between Heaven and Hell. But the plane is much larger than that, and we don't and it shifts constantly. We don't know what it is. You've never seen most of it. So that's one possibility. I, I don't know how that worked out. But it it is worth considering that since Sanctuary was a created place in the first place, and it was created by the Worldstone, and the Worldstone was essentially the last remnant of the Primordial Anu, and now the Worldstone has been destroyed, the uh, power of the Worldstone, where did it go? Like, the, if you call it the Unformed Lands, sanctuary was was very deliberately formed it was made Mm -hmm. with this item so if the unformed lands exist and you can reach them what are they are they the place where everything that wasn't made resides i mean there's a lot to it but that's something worth considering i also it might be be that this there's a relationship between pandemonium and sanctuary as the two places like the the, the sanctuary is also the only place that was ever successfully permanently created by the Worldstone. yes Other people used the world stone and could only make like bubbles that kind of worlds that existed for a time and then faded out of existence. But sanctuary is seemingly permanent and it has Tragul, the the dragon of balance that, that it seems to exist in and around sanctuary, but not, you know, not of sanctuary. And that's something to consider when you talk about the quote unquote gods that the witch doctors can contact in the unformed lands.
0: The interesting thing is I wonder how much How important it's potentially going to be in the future of Diablo. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because with humanity being devastated the way it has been and with the world stone being gone with everything that happened at pandemonium fortress and the idea that maybe the unformed lands, maybe the land of the dead, uh, exists as a layer between all of them, whether it's, you know, sanctuary. And we know from, I believe it was Diablo two, when you're going into hell, like you go there through pandemonium, like that, that the, it's adjacent to it. We know that, um, so I'm wondering if it becomes more important. Like, we know that things can be brought back from there. We know that power can be tapped into there. And if all of those human spirits exist there and they were at some point Nephilim or becoming Nephilim, that's a whole lot of untapped power, potentially. And that could be why necromancers are involved in all of this. Maybe not necessarily just because of the power aspect, but because that has shifted the balance way too far in one direction. And maybe witch doctors become important in that because if they can physically go there, if they can travel there and have the rights to do that, maybe they have the rights to help other people there. And if adventurers need to go there to retrieve souls or power or whatever in order to bring the eternal conflict to an end, I could see that being something that becomes much, much more important. I would also, it seems to fit too, because originally, and and this is sort of like a game mechanics thing, originally back in Diablo 1, I remember there was an interview where they stated that Pandemonium was supposed to be a place that they wanted to bring players to. They reiterated this in Diablo 2, uh, where we visit the Pandemonium Fortress, but we never got a full expansion of it. The closest we got was Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls, where we go into the the fortress uh and tear that place apart to get to Malfiel. But like you said, that place is huge. And it was something that they always planned on doing. And I'm wondering if that opportunity is starting to come. And I'm wondering if the classes that are going to be involved as NPCs potentially are going to be the key to getting there. And maybe it's a larger important thing to what's going on. Again, I still have it in my mind that where do things that don't exist go? How is it possible to completely unmake something? But if you unmake something to its complete base components, do they still exist somewhere?
1: Yeah, but think about it from the other side, though. Everything in Sanctuary didn't exist. Sanctuary didn't exist. Mm-hmm. It was not a real place. And then they made it real using the Worldstone. They pulled it out of nothing and made it something. Again, using the Worldstones. They formed it using the worldstone. the worldstone formed sanctuary, so the unformed lands would be what are they the places that they didn't make using the world stone? Are they the places from which the worldstone drew, or are they the worldstone
0: now that's an interesting idea
1: and does the world stone have to physically exist to exist? The worldstone dreams nothing into something
0: and if the, the worldstone
1: world world- is a manifestation of Anu's power, the power to create. The power to make things. If you, have to make, if you can make things, first you have to conceive of them. Anu created himself into two beings because he, he conceived of himself as separate. He created Tathamet by conceiving of all the evil and vileness within itself because it was everything. So, of course, it had those things too. Being pulled out and created as a, a new thing, which also created the other thing the diamond warrior, which was everything left. When you pull all that stuff out and put it over there, everything left behind is there. If you create a world, everything you don't create, where is it?
0: And and interestingly enough, too, right? Like, we know that there are chunks of world stone that exist out in the world before the world stone no longer was there.
1: Oh, yeah. They, someone came in and took pieces of it. They created the, the soul ships so the soul stones that way.
0: And They were I, made
1: from pieces of the
0: Worldstone. And I believe there is a, also a case made that somebody think that the blood shards are also pieces of the Worldstone.
1: Well, we know that in Diablo Immortal, pieces of the Worldstone are are, the, are being hunted down by the demons. They're looking for them. So ultimately, I think it, it's very very interesting to think about the concept of the Worldstone not as a place, not as a thing, an object, but as a place. You know, Sanctuary was the only thing it ever made that continued on. Why? Was it because they brought the world stone to Sanctuary? Mm-hmm. And that meant that it, it, the world stone was now contained within a world? Was that what it needed? You needed, the, In order for the unformed lands to exist, you need a formed land. You need a place to have no place. In order for there to be nothing, you have to have something. Otherwise, everything is nothing. And then whatever, nothing is everything. These words, only they're only concrete and separate and disparate when they have opposites. And so the world stone might actually be the place they're going to. It might be the place they're visiting. It might be the place from which all these spirits and gods come from. Because we know the dead were trying to get to the world stone. When they died, they went to Pandemonium to try and find the world stone. Only the world stone wasn't there anymore. And that's the power Malthiel drew upon was the power of death. And the necromancers seem to be able to draw upon the plane of the dead, which is, seems to be the same plane as the, as the Unformed Lands.
0: Which seems to be the same power that the witch doctors call upon as well.
1: And if you die, you go to the world stone because you came from the world stone. Because the world stone made you. It made everything. It made the angels and the demons. Those pieces of Anu and Tathamet that made them, they were created by the same thing that destroyed the, the universe and created the world stone. So, I think there's a possibility that the world stone can't be destroyed. It's physical manifestation, maybe, but not the world stone itself.
0: And there's nothing that says that another physical manifestation can't take form either, right? Like Quite that, possibly. Because at that point it's essentially it's the heart of creation. It's it's essentially untold potential that if everything can be created using its power, why can't it create itself? Like you pointed out, they did that originally. The eye of Anu is the eye of Anu because, well, that's what happened. That was the resultant uh outcome of, you know, a greater being splitting itself in twain because it could existed it willed itself into existence it willed itself split uh the worlds themselves are made from the remnants of those those beings of that being it is essentially pure potential and if those if that being can do it and anything exists of it and sanctuary is made of it which we can argue that it or isn't, whatever. That is isn't whatever uh that is entirely possible that the soul that the world stone could just exist again but i like your idea I like the idea that because of that, because of that pure potential, because of that that pure creation, that it doesn't necessarily have to be a physical item. It can be a place. It can be a concept, a higher concept that just exists. And if that place is the land of the dead, if it is the unformed world, then... Going there or tapping into it seems like the next logical place because that's where it came from to begin with, or potentially where it went after everything was physically destroyed. It's a fascinating idea to think about, and one of the uh, existential-esque type things of Diablo that I think is always fascinating because it can mean something so different to any of those those characters And I also think that it's going to become a little more important, and this is a little bit outside of the lore aspect, simply because the game itself seems like it's trying to go back more towards its RPG roots. Well, how do you do that? You bring more meaning, more story, more investment of the characters and what's going on, aside from just clicking things to get loot and if you add sort of that element like you're like they're doing with Diablo Immortal um, and potentially with Diablo 4 you get the opportunity to explore some of these concepts a little deeper and I think that's personally something that I'm looking forward uh, because like you said Diablo has this nasty tendency of we don't always get a whole lot of backstory we've had books sure we've had the Sin War we've had the book of Cain we've had the Book of. material we've we've had some items outside of the game that sort of try to solidify some of that but i think we can start getting to a point where the story the lore of it could start manifesting more solidly inside of the game and i think they already started to do that with diablo 3 to a certain degree so i guess i want to end this with a question for you with everything that we've talked about with all of the classes with all the lore for the classes thinking about going into diablo 4 now and diablo immortal what would you like to see explored the most in terms of those classes and their interaction the world? And yes, it can be barbarians because I know that's, I mean, it's just, it's like peanut butter and jelly. It just goes together, Matt and beans, but I'm no, curious. I, honestly,
1: for me, the the one I'm most interested in finding out about is what happened to Scovos. What's going on with the Scovos Isles? Because last we heard, they sent Amazons out into the world and that's it. We don't know what happened since. What have they been doing? You know, did they get the eye back, the sightless eye? The sightless eye can be used to scry on the entire history of the world. Did they know what was coming? Did they, like, have a defense for it? Did they, like, you know, were they prepared for Malthiel's attack? What is going on with Scovos and the Amazons? That's, the barbarians, I feel like we've seen enough in terms of, I don't worry about their story. Their story is their homeland was destroyed. they are a wandering people. They have no fixed abode. They're all just kind of trying to rebuild what they lost. I get that. I've seen it. I know what it is. Uh, but the Amazons, no idea what they've been up to since Diablo 2. So, yeah, I would like there to be something about Scovos.
0: And for me, I think I'm getting what I want the most, which has always been the Druids. And mostly because the concept of druid- Druidity inside of a grim dark setting has always fascinated me. Because generally speaking, Druid lore is not necessarily always tied up with, in classic storytelling, with uh, super, super dark, like hidings right so mm,
1: here's, what, here's what i'm gonna disagree with you buddy okay uh because arthur macon exists
0: Yeah, well, and that's fair. The,
1: the wicker man exists and in fact for most of its history going back to caesar talking about the druids the druids were always portrayed as sinister they held knowledge that they didn't share with people they they didn't like they, they had strange rights that they didn't discuss with outsiders. And they called upon gods that they didn't really bother to explain to the people who were writing about them. So there is actually a long tradition of druids being sinister and even a little malevolent. The whole idea of nature, red in tooth and claw, of the the horned god, you know, t- or the dull Carnasein, the two horned god, the one that sacrificed, you know, yeah, burned ser- people in giant ser- wicker stacks. servants
0: of the dark earth, yeah, yeah, okay.
1: all that stuff. That stuff is a big part of druidism that's why i liked that in world of warcraft they they brought it in with the colterans like there had death druids druids who were like you know part of life is death part of nature is decay it's it's part of it you can't have it like without without there's decay, no the life without don't death. Grow. yeah yeah you know so i think it's pretty fitting actually and i think it's very thematically appropriate to druids to have that element um the part where they turn into werewolves um that's a little harder, but I'm 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 down for the werewolf turning. That's that's and werebears.
0: Don't forget werebears.
1: Uh, you know, sure, yeah, that's fine. Uh, but but yeah, I think that that druids work pretty well as a sinister, not necessarily evil, but scary. Just because something isn't evil doesn't mean you know what what's the this is this is another Dragon Age reference, but I think it works here. Don't you know? Oh, never mind about that tiger. It's not its fault. It's going to eat you. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter that the animal isn't evil, it's still going to kill you, you know, and that's frightening. The, the, the power of the druid to take animal forms to call upon storms and lightning and earthquakes, it's still terrifying whether or not, you know, they're using it for evil it doesn't matter to the people they kill with it. Right. And, and that's, I think, something that's pretty cool about the Diablo version. of.
0: But I am looking forward to that getting explored a little bit more, seeing what they've been up to, uh, and actually getting to see their interactions with the world in general. Uh, it's always been my favorite class, is what it really boils down to. So getting some more of them is always going to make me very, very happy. But I think that's going to do it for us today, unless there's anything else you want to bring up?
1: No, I'm good.
0: All right. Well, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience. And if you have questions for the podcast, please be sure to send them in. You can send those into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. You can also send those in on our discord. We do have a discord channel set aside for our Patreon supporters as a way of saying thank you. Uh, You can get your questions highlighted uh, in a place that we can see them a little more directly. If you're not a Patreon supporter and email is not your thing, we also understand Uh, there is a Q and podcast podcast question section where you can drop those in there. And we're going to look at both of those. Uh, Just make sure you specify which show it's for so Matt and I don't have to mud wrestle for them but with that we'll see you next week dude it's jello it's not mud planning for your next trip